supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. presents Speaking South Coast with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. We are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night, but tonight... We're going to talk about a whole year's worth of paranormal in just two short hours. It's our 2013 paranormal year in review, and what a year it was. I'm glad it's just about over. How about you guys? I'm pretty sick of 2013. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about anybody else, but... I I don't think I have, uh, what's it, tridectophobia or whatever. I say put it in the can. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm done. I, I I don't think I'm afraid of the number 13, but I'll just be glad when it's done. Do we have a lot of optimism for 2014? I do. You do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Surprising. Oh, yeah. 2014, it's going to, yeah, it's time to kick ass and chew bubblegum. I've never, heard you so, bubble gum. I've never heard you so optimistic yeah. before. I like the Roddy Roddy Piper breath. <laughs> well, what about the, uh, in the world of the paranormal, though, do you see, think 2014 is going to be uh, uh another peak year for it or do you think we're going to continue to see the, a, a bit of a downward trend because i think we're seeing the downward trend now i think it's i think it's begun like uh what do you mean uh as i think far as i think the interest of the general public like is beginning to level off because hmm. you're seeing yeah. a lot of these television shows come out and it's reached saturation right they, they, yeah it's definitely reached that point you see the shows come out and then they go away pretty quick right. do you think see the movies get, come out and then they don't really do so well right do you think it's going to get more extreme they're going to try to raise the bar well i think i think in getting or extreme they're, they're lowering the bar well yeah but there's some I tv mean, shows that are out there now but i hate to just keep picking on the tv shows but there's some yeah. out there now that i look at them and i'm like all right yeah, we we've kind of reached the point too where I think uh, good people are starting to sell out. I mean, do you think it's going to get like um, like Pawn Stars or Hardcore Hardcore Pawn where they blatantly yeah. like fabricate stories, yeah, where it's just so formulaic, like, like it's not, it's yeah. almost barely enjoyable. Mm. Yeah, I think we're getting to that. I've watched a few, and I like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on anybody because there's a lot of good people in the field who do a lot of great work. But when the cameras are on, you're usually at the mercy of the producers and the people who are involved in the television program. So I guess I have to give a pass to some degree. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just trying not to be somebody that rails against all this stuff like we have in the past. I'm just right. trying to kind right. of just take it all at face value for what it is. You know, like let's – I hate to keep bringing up Phil Robertson, but let's use that as an example. You know, Phil Robertson is – hey, apparently uh, – Apparently that was – <laughs> Apparently, we've been bought by the A and E network. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, uh, using that as an example, you know, what he is on the television show is different than what he is uh, as a person. What A and E wants to have him portrayed as as a television character is different than how he might be in real life. And so that's kind of the way I have to look at the paranormal world as well, because I I know. Come on, have you seen that show Ghost Bait? No. All right. Uh, basically, the, the premise of the show is, and 
again, I don't really want to pick on anybody here, but I know it's not, it, it's funny because like those people who are new to the program are hearing me say that and they think I'm being wishy-washy and they think I'm trying to like, you know, straddle the fence when I say I don't want to pick on anybody, but you have to go back and listen to the years of podcasts where I did pick on everybody and just realize that I'm, I'm just, I've realized that that's, that's anger for no reason. It's, <laughs> it's ire for no reason. I'm going to get my hackles up and it doesn't make a difference. So I'm trying to, you know, have a little bit of a goose fava moment goose fava. With, <laughs> with the paranormal reality television, but on this show Ghostbait, the premise of this program is uh, they go out and they do these investigations of like a say a, a business or a private home and the people are scared of the activity that's happening and so their solution is to help them face their fears and they put a bag over their head and they tie and they put them in a chair in the middle of the haunted building and leave them there alone with a camera pointed at them okay right and you just watch that? You just watch somebody be terrified? Well, that's just, part, that's just part of it. And then they have a guy on the team who is terrified of everything, and they use him as ghost bait, too. Okay. So that's the idea of the show. And you can tell by the – again, I don't know. I haven't talked to the people involved. Um, I know a couple of them will be at the Parahistory Con, too, that I'll be part of, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit later on. Is, so, is that strictly to, like – Antagonize whatever spirits may be there. Or That's is that the idea, just, or is that just to humiliate the person? The idea is to use I their fear. Yeah. yeah, the idea is to use their fear as an energy source and as a draw for the activity, because obviously they're they're afraid anyway, and the activity keeps happening. So therefore, that must be. Uh, something that will draw the activity further. So that's the idea behind it. But in reality, it's um, and this is just a guess. But in reality, there's producers who are like, you know, what would look really good on camera is if we had a bag over somebody's head and they were terrified. Yeah. You know, let's just and you know they're just sitting there watching it too, and they're being like, okay, this is going to be the guy that pees his pants. This is going to be the one right here. This is the pants peer. If there ever was a pants peer, this is the pants peer. <laughs> and like they're salivating over the prospect of somebody wetting themselves. This isn't the first time they've done stuff like this, right? Though. There were several shows. Yeah, they had that MTV show. Yeah, mm-hmm. Fear Factor, right? Yeah, Fear Factor. Fear. MTV's Fear. Yeah, Fear. And, and but that was the idea of that. Yeah, but Fear Factor is different. But that right. was that was just making people eat gross stuff, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> I, yeah. But you got the one I was talking about. They might have peed on. They mm-hmm. might have peed their pants too. But uh, you know, that's it's uh, and you, uh, the the main guy. And I'm sorry, his his name escapes me. Uh, it, he is you can kind of tell that like he's not really on board with what's going on you know like when when they're doing this kind of stuff and that's the problem that's what i see as the issue is where you're at the mercy of television you're going to be because they're never going to let anybody come in and do it the way they want to do it and anybody who says that they do it the way that they want to do it is full of crap you know you might they might be making some concessions for you i mean moniz you remember back in the old days of Ghost Hunters when Jason and Grant said, you know, we made sure that they have us do investigations the way that we want to do. Is what yeah. they're doing right now anything like how they would do an investigation? Not even close. So it's, that's, that's just the thing. You know, it's a television show. We, we have to continue to have that line of separation. And it's good that a lot of the television shows that are out there now are dramatic recreations. And not investigative programs because it's still allowing us to share the information. It's still allowing us to um, put a credible face to paranormal activity that hopefully the home audience is buying into and will therefore feel more comfortable and and understand their own experiences better. But doing it through dramatic recreation, I think, is a lot 
easier of a sell than uh, a manufactured paranormal investigation. That's just my opinion. I, I, when I watch the stories, in other I, words, you're saying pay real actors. Look, I watched Monsters and Mysteries in America from last <laughs> week, and I don't mean to pick on this show. And and it's not just because you know I was supposed to go film it, and they called me that day and said <laughs> we don't need you after I'd already rearranged my schedule. You know, I'm not bitter. Not bitter. I'm not bitter at all about that. <laughs> but when I <laughs> when I watched it and I watched the way that they handled it, yeah. It's another one of those programs where you have, uh, you know, creepy announcer guy. Now, I, I missed it. Is, was it the, of the quality of uh, Unsolved Mystery dramatizations or no. less, less? No, I would say it's more. Um, they guess, had, they had the their own thing they, anyway. they were oh. trying to sell and spin. And uh, they... Yeah. Do you remember the uh, the scariest places in America special that I do? Yes, I filmed in Moniz film, but they never put them on. Yeah, mm. I wasted the whole day there. Uh, but actually, no, that one wasn't too bad. I think we were only there for four hours. That wasn't yeah. like Monster Quest. But uh, <laughs> we're not getting invited back to any of these shows, by the way. <laughs> but uh, scary part is we never really wanted to be on them in the first place. True. We were just doing favors for other people. That's true. It's like, can you come and do it? Yeah, I guess I can. And then we get mad when we're not on it. Like, cause it's not because we're like, oh, this was supposed to be like a big thing for us. It's because I wasted a whole damn day there. Yeah. You know, I rearranged my schedule to be there. Why, you know? But anyway, so uh, it's kind of like that, that same type of um, level of manufactured drama that they have, like with the scariest places in America, which I always go back to that line of the, uh, the announcer. If you like murder with your tea and scones... And it's oh, like, like it's it basically it was like that whole type of atmosphere to the special. And the information, though, was portrayed. And they got some great interviews. I love scones. <laughs> no, you don't. I know. I know I don't. Scones are flavorless piles of crap. <laughs> so they, they, they basically added that twist to the factual information. So, I mean, when you hear Moniz telling his story, it's Moniz telling his story. When you hear Audrey and Debbie sharing their story, they're mm. sharing their own stories. And they got some good interviews. They got the gentleman from the Bridgewater Trial documentary who had the what could be a Pukwudgie sighting. However, they kind of distorted that a little bit. Yep. And they, they, they basically took that story and they injected it with a shot of steroids. Well, not only steroids. They, they confabulated, let's put it this way, uh, his, part of his story. They didn't like where it occurred. So they wanted to put it in the swamp. So they had his actual story changed. Um, Andy was not exactly happy with how they took his stories and combined them into, you know, he had three separate stories and they made it sound like it was all part of hmm. one story and the way they shot it as being in a different location. So there was a lot of, let's call it Hollywood licensing right. to, to the way they were portraying the stories. And, you know, if, but if that's the way that the programming is going to go in the future, uh, that's that's probably an easier sell to the public than these investigation shows. I think the general – and I'm talking the average Joe TV viewer who does not go on paranormal investigations, doesn't go to events, you know, has never been into in, in a haunted location that they know of. You know, to them, I think they've seen enough of the investigation, which I hate to say that. I'm sure it's bad news for everybody that's out there working on a pilot about investigations. You know, we – 
filmed a couple this year, and we could tell when we were working on them that you know yeah. that this ship has sailed. This isn't going to work. There's no fresh angle to take with this. There's no way to right. do it and not look like you're copying somebody, which is ridiculous because why would you copy what you're seeing on TV? But that's just the way that's going to be cut and edited and portrayed. We lost a, f- a few of these programs this year, too. A few of them kind of bit the dust. And uh, the, oh, one, the, one most pro- well, <laughs> the one most prolific one, uh, it was the recent decision not to renew the show Ghost Mine. Never watched an episode of it. I watched a few. Uh, I, I was intrigued because it was a mine. It's one of those things that, you know, most people don't think of. But and a mine very, is a terrible thing to waste. Whoa. Think, <laughs> in a sense, it is. All that space and ore, so and, as well as the lives it, it took to make it. The mines are very dangerous places to work, so they would be very haunted. Uh, and I, I kind of know some of the behind-the-scenes uh, information of how that show came together, and so right from the beginning, I wasn't really that amped up for it. But you know, for the people who were involved, uh, you know, it's 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 nice to have that while it happens. But you can't really count on that lasting. Any reality show, you can't really count on them lasting. So that's kind of, I don't know, I guess that's kind of like an overview of the reality TV aspect of the paranormal this year. I don't want to bog down our year in review in in just that type of talk, but if you would like to call in and share your thoughts on it or on anything that we discussed tonight, you can do so by calling 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. And if you need those numbers throughout the course of the show, you can go right to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. They're right there on the main page. You can also jump in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and also on WBSM.com. And you can chat with everybody. We have a whole bunch of people in the chat room. I'd like to say hello to all of them tonight. Good evening. Thank you for joining us on this Paranormal Year in Review edition of Spooky South Coast. You can also email us, too. You can uh, shoot us an email, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can tweet us at SpookySC. I put together this whole list, and we don't have to touch on everything here on the list. Uh, there's There's a few topics of discussion. And some of them are shameless self-promotion for us. We mentioned Moniz being on uh, uh, Monsters and Mysteries in America, and it's going to be rerun a whole bunch of times, so check it out. I mean, it's it's worth it just to see the actor who recreated Moniz. <laughs> yeah. it, it, <laughs> he looks kind of like a, a young version of you. Okay. But that doesn't look anything like the Raven. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that that's where yes, this encounter that, happened. That That's where the encounter happened. Um, and just like... What it showed in the story, I, I, the moment I saw them, I recognized them as well. So it, it was deja vu all over again. Except for the African-American gentleman in the jacket and dress shirt tending bar. Didn't, didn't look like anything like any of the bartenders I ever saw. At the no, room. not there. Definitely not there. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it will be rerun a whole bunch of times on Destination America. And also, uh, one of the major, major stories of this year, of course, was the Bridgewater Triangle. It just blew up. It was huge. And uh, even before the documentary film came out, it seemed like there was a lot more attention paid on the Bridgewater Triangle. Part of that is because every time Lauren Coleman comes out with a new book, which he did this year, then that puts the triangle back into the paranormal spotlight anyway. But also, there was a lot of advanced stuff. Uh, because people knew that this documentary was coming out. And then you have a show like Monsters and Mysteries in America that's getting on the Bridgewater Triangle bandwagon. And it's starting to really get out there as one of these places. 
we can toot our horns a little bit for that as well. I mean, we had, what was it, a quarter of a million downloads last year of our Bridgewater Triangle episode in one week. So that just shows that the topic is exploding. And the documentary film is only going to make it become even bigger, I think, in 2014 as it goes into more festivals and into more screenings and it gets out there at some of these paranormal conventions. Uh, But, I mean, this was at least the second half of this year. It was the year of the triangle. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to carry over into 2014. Uh, I forget where I was going with that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, when... We kind of knew that was going to happen, though. We knew that once this film hit, that this would be something that became... Because, let's face it, the paranormal world is kind of dying for a new topic, no pun intended. They're looking for a new avenue, a new thing to discuss, a, a new theory, a new approach. And I think that being able to tie in activity, not just in the Bridgewater Triangle, but in other areas. You know, people are going to see this documentary and start to think, well, gee... Where I live, we have a lot of this type of phenomena taking place. And then maybe they'll start to tie everything together. And you'll see these communities where instead of having your UFO, and Moniz, you've had to deal with this for years, because in certain areas, there's the UFO crowd, there's the ghost crowd, and never the twain shall meet. Correct. And the poor little cryptic crowd, too. I was going to say, the poor little cryptic guys are stuck in the corner like wallflowers. So they're they're all segmented and they they don't work with one another and they don't share research. So they don't have this vast, uh, you know, database of, well, you know, there's been 45 ghost sightings in the same place where there's been Bigfoot sightings. What's going on? Well, that's the interesting thing that I want to see happen. You take the the trifecta here, ghosts, UFOs, and cryptids, Mm -hmm. and you'll find that when you talk to them, Everybody's like, yeah, I, I tell people I'm looking for Bigfoot, and then uh, people will automatically start telling me paranormal stories, whether it be a ghost or a UFO. Well, I never saw a Bigfoot, but I saw a, a, a ghost or a, I saw a UFO, and you'll talk to a UFO guy, and they'll have people telling them cryptid encounter, you know, but they never share the data in between. Well, I would find it interesting if they could share the data in between is like be nice if you could have one paranormal umbrella that you know hey i got this report from this person put it into the central location let the other guys interested in that topic field it and then you know it's just a thought yeah it'd be nice if it could happen but i do have to say i've i've uh i've come across a a number of paranormal groups and a very few paranormal groups actually investigate other things in the paranormal aside from ghosts right right or i mean or they have their resident demonologist oh yeah but you have to right you have that's how you get a tv show i think right but i just give a guy a a caller and call him a priest (laughs) go online (laughs) i know some of those guys they show up at some of these conventions monastery.org yeah Uh, i'm not sure i I forget what i went to (laughs) but uh yes i am a universal life church minister I have my copy somewhere. I got we got ours before you had to pay. Now you oh, have to pay. Now dude. it's like twenty five bucks. Well, because you have to buy the kit. You know? so, but I think it comes with like a clergy parking pass. So if I give seventy five bucks, do I get to become a bishop? Or I'm not sure how it works. I think you just get more of the perks. Okay, but uh, but I think you get like a hang tag that you can like park anywhere you want. Huh. I don't know if people recognize yeah, it. All the holy water you can drink. Right. <laughs> it's so much easier to make your own. Mm. You yeah. know, like like when when make your own holy water. Says Yeah. <laughs> like when we investigate with Keith Johnson, and he can just make his own holy water. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to go to the church like we do and pick it up. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, the more that this film gets out there, the more 
recognition will be paid to uh, you know the cross referencing of phenomena in certain areas. Uh, and aside from that. Aside from having that impact, I also think that it's going to turn the Bridgewater Triangle into, like, the rock star of paranormal regions. You know, like, Bermuda Triangle, hey, you're great, but all you've got left is disappearing ships and planes. We've got everything up here. And, uh, you know, Bennington Triangle, <laughs> good luck trying to keep up. You know, like, just some of, these other pla- <laughs> some of these other places, you know, they'll benefit from the rub of this. But I think you're going to see the Bridgewater Triangle become a major, major focus. Uh, it's going to get to the point where, you know, those, those big overnight talk shows will have to talk about them for more than just the first half-hour segment. Yeah. Speaking of which. I do have on my list of 2013 year in review that I made my Coast to Coast AM debut. So hmm. just want to put that out there. That was huge. Also, I have on there toot. Matt and I actually getting jobs at the station. Double toot. Yes. <laughs> that's two horn toots. We'll just, we'll just get those out of the way really fast. Yeah. But that's a huge development because that means oh, that... It's kind of exciting. means that's that they don't hate us. News. Yeah. They're uh, slightly condoning our activities here, which is good. It means that we're backdoor learning how to do things yes. so that we can do whatever we, we want. The door. There's no stopping Monday. us now. Right, exactly. So uh, anyway, that takes care of the shame, shameless self. Well, also I should mention, too, uh, as we did last week, that we are now part of the Dark Matter Radio Network. Yeah. So if you want to listen to the show again or if you miss it live and you want to hear it uh, in a web we're stream broadcast. Thursdays at 1 And you're glutton for punishment. Thursdays from 10 to midnight. Oh, okay. I think, I think I was reading the chart wrong, the schedule. Unless that's a Pacific time. Um, now you got me worrying. I don't even... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But everything is coming up spooky South Coast lately. Dark Matter Radio. That's true. I mean, we are. Did not get hired? But I mean, what 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 could be next for 2014? <coughs> Syndication. People have to keep tuned. Syndication. <laughs> uh, yes, we are on from. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to guess another batch of T-shirts. Ten to twelve for that. Pacific. <laughs> so we are on uh, one to three a.m. Eastern time. Huh. So. For you night owls out there, and of course, you know we always have the podcast as well. But we're just excited to be part of the Dark Matter Radio Network, which is uh, will, I guess, be the future home of Art Bell at some point. So, nice. Nice. as I think soon as he works as uh, work, works all that legal mumbo jumbo. Right, all, I think that means he has to appear on our show, right? I think, I think it's mandatory. Right, all it takes totally. is money and lawyers. Well, that's the thing. How much money and lawyers do you want to invest in it? You know, just for the sake of being right. But anyway, that's a whole that's a topic for a whole another show. Uh, well, there are some other major major stories that uh, I want to touch upon over the course of the next hour and a half. And of course, anything that you feel out there was a, a major storyline in the paranormal this year, give us a call five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. But I think that we saw the increasing profile of women in the field this year, and I'm not trying to say that in the past. You know, we haven't appreciated the contributions of women in the field. I just think they're taking more of a stronger role uh, in 2013 and beyond. And I really, I was thinking about it. I really couldn't think of a reason why that would be the case. I really couldn't think, you know, pinpoint one thing or another that would make me say, okay, well, here's why. Uh, you know, if we know why there were so many male investigators over the last 
seven or eight years in black t-shirts and goatees with shaved heads because they were copying Jason Hawes. You know, so like you can pinpoint that and say, okay, that's why. You know, we know why all of a sudden everybody's running out and getting a Mel meter. It's because the Ghost Adventures guys use it. You know, we, we can kind of see like where these trends pick up. I can't see where there was uh, a paradigm shift where the women took on a stronger role. I think what it is is that it's always been there and we're just finally starting to acknowledge it. Agreed. Fair enough. Yeah, I I'd really be interested in, in any of the callers uh, if you'd like to call in and, and discuss that topic with us. Uh, because I feel like it's easy for us to sit here and kind of armchair quarterback this and say, well, yeah, obviously women are much more appreciated in the field this year. And, uh, but we're three guys. So our opinion on that might not really count at all. How do the women feel about it? You know, how do they feel about if they've if they still feel they've been marginalized? Because we talked just a few years ago uh, on these very airwaves about how women are marginalized, not only on the television programs but in a lot of investigations. You know, they're kind of seen as secondary citizens yeah. to, on some teams. Yeah, they tend to be the uh, they're always pushed off to the side to being the the ones who do the research and stuff right. like that. Or or have the sensitive abilities. Right. Well, usually it's like that in life itself. They they're yes. generally marginalized and minimalized uh, because that's the way society's been doing it for years. But women are strong creatures, and <laughs> they're quite capable of handling it and doing more. Well, and when you look at some of the investigations that we've done over the years, this year included, there's been activity that might not have happened had a woman not been present. You know, sometimes you need that feminine energy for certain spirits to connect. Well, think about it. Uh, if you're hanging around with a bunch of guys, yeah, you're going to want to talk to a bunch of guys. If you've got a female spirit, she may be more comfortable talking to another woman. So, I mean, common sense. Hmm. So hopefully that's something that can continue. I, I still think that there's uh, there's a lot of progress that still needs to be made. I think that that holds true not only for the gender differences in investigation, but the differences in beliefs. Uh, another thing that happened this year that I, I started to see more of in 2013 is more integration of people with abilities on teams and utilize on investigations. More psychics, more mediums, more sensitives, whatever terminology, whatever ability you want to put on them, uh, they, they were starting to be more accepted as we mean no disrespect by the phrase, but we use it all the time, another tool in the toolbox. And I think that uh, as we're seeing that, we're getting uh, back into some of the uh, mythological side of the paranormal. So it's not just about the, 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 the hardcore data as much as it is the, uh, the experience and the subjective data as well. Mm -hmm. I mean... I know that you've been doing this for a long time, Moniz, and I'm sure that you've gone through cycles uh, of times when you have used subjective experiences as uh, part of the story. And sometimes you've probably said, you know, I, I don't feel like this case, uh, what was going on, you know, whether it be your own mindset, your own connection to the case, you might be able to say, well, I think I'm a little too close to this one. So therefore, I have to take myself out of it. And I can only look at the hardcore physical data that I got. Correct. Uh, I'll you hit the nail right on the head. How close am I to the case? Am I really, you know, too close where my own emotions and my own feelings about things are going to cloud it? Yes. Well, then I'll just continue on in the, you know, uh, uh, as a passive observer. I'll just 
collect what I can, what what I feel about the case, what I've seen and what I sense. If I'm uh, more distance from it, yeah, that's when I become more clinical. That's when I'll set up computerized things and take in digital information and let that speak. I think we do that with everything in society, though, if you think about it. But I think that there's been a stigma placed on uh, utilizing that aspect of people in an investigation because uh, when we got this uh, and again you know so much of what we're talking about has to go back to the television strain because that is what has dictated a lot of the new people in the field you know the 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 people who are joining paranormal groups now and getting out there and investigating uh, they didn't learn the same way that you learned monies they didn't learn from that school they learned from television shows and they may be going against them now, and they may be expanding their horizons, and hopefully they are, and hopefully they're learning more and taking different and unique approaches, but the fact of the matter is they still were indoctrinated by that approach. So therefore, they're hearing, you know, these 2004, 2005 episodes of Ghost Hunters in which they say, you know, uh, we, don't, we don't trust psychics, you know, we don't, it's too subjective, we need the objective data, and blah, blah. And then they go out and they get a dog that can hunt, that can sniff out ghosts. But still. Right. I mean. Because. Right. <laughs> is that real? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, actually they, did yeah. use. Yeah. But. Again. Part, going back into okay. the day that they used to use animals in uh, early parapsychology studies as well. So is that, you know, you're talking chicken and egg. What they were doing is just borrowing mm. stuff from okay. old Hans Holzer and, mm-hmm. you know, Brett. Steiger books and things like that. And again, I I do want to point out, I'm not trying to be disrespectful of their, especially right now with Jason and what's going on with his wife and his family. I mean, we wish them well and, and, uh, and their friends. And I'm, I'm just talking about the approaches. I'm talking about the themes in the paranormal and, uh, and they may be representative of that theme because that's just the position that they play in the field. We did get a question here from the chat room (laughs) and they want to know if, uh, with, the paranormal shows finishing uh, up their course. Do we see Spooky South Coast t- continuing to be as popular as it is now? Absolutely. You can't get any lower. Yeah. <laughs> when you're at the bottom, you can only go up from here. Right. Aim low and achieve. <laughs> no, I, I hope that it continues to be popular. I, again, we always say it. We say it every year. But you know, next year, syndication. We need it. Right. We 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 need to reach more people. We need to have more people. We need to keep this discussion going because. It's great that we have the local audience that we have, and we love them. We love our podcast audience, too, but they're listening, you know, three, four, five days after the show has already happened, in some cases months months and years. So we need to reach as many people as we can to keep this discussion growing and to keep it happening uh, on a regular basis and to find out more of the, you know, the nooks and crannies of information that are out there instead of just the broad sweeping strokes that we try to do now. So uh, hopefully we can work it out so we can reach more audiences. So anybody out there that runs a station, (laughs) get in touch with us. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think that that's uh, another thing that we're going to see more of. We're going to see more uh, not only utilizing people with abilities on investigations, but maybe people being more open to trying to see if they have them themselves. I'm sure there's people now that are out there who, what are we in? We're heading into 2014. So there's going to be paranormal groups that are celebrating their 10th anniversary if they were sparked by ghost hunters to get out there and, and get into this field. And maybe with all of that, 
decade of experience behind them now and all of that data that they've been able to collect, maybe they can start to look back and reflect and think to themselves, maybe I've had these successes because I have some sort of sensitivity to this stuff. People have been telling me that for years and I deny it, but maybe it's true. Maybe that's why when we go to a Legend Trips event, something happens. Maybe it's because I'm open to it because I'm sensitive to it. I don't know. Maybe I just don't know how to utilize it. And I, I don't mean to make this about me, but I'm just saying there's probably somebody in that situation on a number of teams uh, you, you know, all over the place that are probably going through the same type of questioning themselves. Hmm. Right. I mean, I don't know. I think everybody kind of has maybe some sort of attunement, I guess. Well, and that's what we hope is the case. Yeah. Because then everybody can experience what we experience. You know, we can't, we don't have to just tell them about it. Hopefully they can experience it for themselves if they just kind of remove the blinders. Well, I think there's enough room for everybody to stick their hat in the ring and do their own thing. I mean, people that want to go in and just strictly equipment and by the numbers and by, you know, the right. rigid protocols of investigation, that's fine. Okay. Do you think, and, uh, do you think and, over the past year um, gadgets have kind of fell by the wayside? I do. I, that, that's definitely something that I think has happened. I think you've seen less investment. Yeah, I, I think I've seen less inventing, aside from a few here and there. Mm-hmm. But. Well, we do. I do have on the list one of the big inventions oh, yeah, of this yeah. year, but I, I, yeah, I would agree with that. Kind of uh, the most intriguing that I've seen in a while. But they're just tools. The, right. And all of these tools are. And we're a bunch right. of tools, too. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> a couple of monkey wrenches, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being is the equipment is only the extension of your senses. Mm-hmm. Cameras just seeing wavelengths that your eyes can't. Your recorders pick up frequencies your ears can't. The various sensors will take. Uh, place of your skin to sense temperature and galvanic response. Are you saying like if you take a picture of, say you take a picture in a room um, there's a reason why you took a picture at that particular time? Your body is telling you to Well, yeah. Or or it's just like I said, it's just recording the event beyond what your Mm -hmm. body can do. Well, you've you've spent some time with me on on some of these legend trips investigations the, the last few uh, especially at the the uh, SK Pierce mansion and you've seen kind of how it how it works when people are uh, in tune mm-hmm. with the paranormal it's, it, it's not so much that we're walking around with the cameras and saying all right take a picture let's look and see if we got anything yeah. you know take a reading let's see if we got anything a- instead what we're doing is we're, we're we're getting that sensation and we're saying, guys, there's something happening over here. You might want to come over here. Right. You know, and I think that that is just, that's no different than the mechanic who opens up the hood. You know, that's no different than Ralph Madero sitting here behind the microphone on Saturday afternoon and being able to diagnose what's wrong with my exhaust system just by <laughs> yeah. hearing my car through the glass window. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the same thing. I think, <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's why I figured that was the best example. Uh, uh, <laughs> we need to start, uh, we need, we need to start, um, Having him He's fixing our cars. Well, yeah, that too. But we need to start having him like say this stuff over the air because I'm out there listening on the, on the radio. So, you know, he could kind of tell me what he thinks is wrong. Uh, but I think anybody that's been in the field, they're going to develop that sense. They're going to kind of know where the action is, and that's why we say, well, these reality shows, you know, they seem to always find activity. Well, maybe they do. Maybe they do because they're. Well, that's the magic of editing. When you when you're sitting there for several hours or you know. 
But I can go out and I can do a, a, a six-hour Legend Trips event and have enough activity happen to fill a 45-minute television program. Well, don't forget, they're out there sometimes two and three days. They're making it look like they were there for a single day, but... And you and I both know that they're there for more than one day. But I'm saying the complete opposite, though. I'm saying uh, that we could go out in four or five hours and have enough. You know, for everybody, yes, for everybody that says that it doesn't happen that, that frequently, it can happen that frequently. It can happen that frequently. But what I'm saying, they need something that they can use on television. Because a lot of the times when we're having activity, there's you can't put what's going on on television because of our reactions and other. Well, things. yeah, I mean, but that, that's just that's on us and how we. Right. You know, if there were cameras pointed on us while we were doing, say, a Legend Trips event, we would we would act differently. Um, and by acting differently, I mean we would just like use cleaner language. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But you know, people say, well, there's no way they can go to a house in one night and have all that stuff happen. I used to say the same thing. I'm not so sure I feel that way anymore because I can go to a, you know, the, the Lizzie Boyden Bed and Breakfast or the S.K. Pierce Mansion or the Houghton Mansion, and I know I can have that same level of activity that they're filling up a 45-minute show with. I can have that happen in the course of a couple of hours. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't know if I feel that same way anymore. So, uh, yeah, so definitely we are seeing the increase uh, of the profile of women. I think it's just because we finally stopped – you know, uh, we're sidelining them, and, and we're putting the focus more on them. Uh, another big thing that happened earlier in the year was the release of the film My Amityville Horror, which is now the second account from one of the Lutz children about what happened to them living in the house at One Twelve Ocean Avenue. And of the, oh, whoa. that was weird. Hmm. <laughs> Those aren't even on, dude. <laughs> Internet? No, I don't know where that came from. We're going to have to play that back after the show. That's something. Well, it started when tried to relaunch the uh, spooky TV. Yeah, but I don't have the pot up for it. Okay, then I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know. The computer crapped out, too. So Strange. Mm, strange. All right, Things well, are afoot. We'll move forward with the this. Circle K. <laughs> We'll keep talking about it. It's it's because I said the A word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting to the point where nobody's going to believe us anymore. They're going to think it's a work. Uh, anyway, so this film comes out. It's the second account of a Lutz personal story. Uh, and we're seeing infighting between Daniel and Christopher. We're seeing each one of them kind of discrediting the other one and their story. So we're supposedly getting an inside view, but how do we know which inside view to accept? How do we know which story is the right one? Does it matter? I, it, the, the fact that we're just getting them to talk at all, I think, is, is fascinating to me. Uh, and, and it's not so much what they experience in the house. That doesn't change for me. Uh, no matter how fantastic the stories may be or how mundane they may be, you know, if there's a marching band coming through the, the downstairs while everybody's sleeping or not, there wasn't. But, I mean, just using that as an example, the phenomena, I, I've kind of accepted that they experienced something. What's the most fascinating to me as a researcher, as an observer, as a journalist, what have you, is the long-lasting effect that's happened on these people who were involved in this from the perspective of they were thrust into a spotlight that they didn't want. Or maybe they were thrust into a spotlight that they didn't quite understand what it was going to do to them. 
this could be the eventual story of these people that we're putting on reality television now. This could be the future story of, you know, John and Sally Smith who are featured in an episode of Ghost Hunters. Yep, the show came by, did their little bit and walked on, and then all of a sudden they were left there to deal with the consequences. The, and the consequences both paranormally. Correct. And socially and psychologically within the family unit. I mean, I guess it's fair to say that the Lutzes weren't a big happy family necessarily to begin with. But the fact that now you're putting all this extra pressure on that family, I'm sure that that played a role in how George treated those children going forward. And then he reinvents himself when the paranormal community starts to explode and he sees the opportunity to put himself back in the spotlight and to to maybe make a few more dollars off of it. And he kind of reinvents himself as being, you know, Mr. Nice Guy. And you have Chris and Dan who resent him even more for that. I don't know. I I don't know where that can go any further. I know that we haven't heard the rest of the story because there's a, a new Amityville film coming out, I believe, in January of 2015. They're going forward with the Amityville, the Lost Tapes, you know, fictionalized movie. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to – we'll see both Danny and Chris come out in, in uh, the future and talk more about this, I'm sure. I'm waiting for DeFeo to come out and do some more – talking about what you know the the talking that he's already done is crazy yes and that's that's my whole point you know he's the 800 pound gorilla in the room if it wasn't for quote unquote his actions you know would would that place have been haunted you you understand what i'm saying suppose he rather than um took the rifle and took out his family turned it upon himself Mm mm-hmm you, you get what I'm saying? Would, would there would the would the Lutzes after they moved in should the DeFeos moved out still have had a haunted place or haunting as they had claimed had happened? Would it be different? You, you know, I, I guess one of the things that people point to when talking about the Amityville case is the fact that no one after the Lutzes reported having activity take place, and there was no reports really in the house. I believe before then. Because I talked to a uh, person that lived on that street that knew both the DeFeos and the Lutzes. But, but what about John Ketchum? What about the Native Americans that are buried on the property? What about all these stories that were manufactured after yeah. the fact? That's, that's, but that's what I'm talking about. I I knew a person that lived on that street, uh, and I talked to him back in the mid-'80s. And he said that he didn't know of anything happening in that house other than the murders and then— the he said he knew the the kids the Lutz kids but he's like they were there for a month he's like I you can't get to know anybody really right. that well in in a month so and for everybody who uses the um, I guess the defense you can say or, or whatever the the plot line that nobody else that lived in that house ever reported having an experience well did you see what happened to the Lutzes. Did you see the media circus that happened around them? Maybe that's why, even if they were having activity happen, they wouldn't have said anything. And not everybody that lived in that house afterwards were in the same financial state as the Lutzes. You know, they got that house on a, on a great deal. That was more house than they should have been able to afford, but they were able to get it at a cheap price. 
people who purchase at home subsequently, maybe not the first people in there after the losses. I don't know. I haven't gone back and checked, you know, the property records, but I'm sure that somebody could. I'm sure the next people probably got a relatively decent deal, but those who have lived there afterwards have been pay- paying a pretty heavy price uh, in order to live in that house, and I mean that financially. Yeah. I mean, they're dropping you know $1.9 million to move into that house. They don't need to sell their story if they are having paranormal activity. They don't need to go to the media and say, hey, we're having this stuff happen and we want to have a Hollywood script and a book written about us because they've obviously got the money. So they don't need that kind of fame. So they would actually have no reason to come forward if there was activity taking place. And not everybody who lives in a haunted house has to run out of there screaming either. Right. Some people are perfectly happy to live with it. Some people are saying, you know what? I got a really awesome house that I paid a lot of money for, and I'm going to enjoy it. And I don't give a crap if there's a ghost in the house. (laughs) I don't believe in ghosts, so therefore I'm just going to ignore it. You know, and so I just, I can't. Use the fact that nobody else has reported activity to make that mean, well, then that means there's no more activity and therefore there probably wasn't any to begin with. just means no one's reporting it. means that nobody's reporting it or maybe they're not the right ones to experience it. Maybe the Lutzes were the ones to experience it because they were so similar to the DeFeos. Because the children were, you know, young children. Who knows? There's a lot of different factors involved, but I, I don't know. I, I just think that... We're not going to get a straight answer. And this could take up a whole other show. Absolutely. Well, and we have. And it will. We will have more Amityville shows in the future. Uh, but I did. I sent a message out to Laura Didio, who we had on the show. And I asked her if this Amityville The Lost Tapes movie, if she's involved in that at all. Because the character from the description of it sounds just like her. It's a news intern who puts together a paranormal team oh, no. with members of the clergy and noted investigators and journalists. And they all go in and they spend a night in the house. So I'm like, I sent her a message. I'm like, listen, Laura, I don't know if you've been working with these people, but if you haven't been, you might want to raise a little bit of a stink here because you might have something coming your way. Um, So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Now, uh, we do have a question in the chat room. uh, If the feed has gone out uh, and if you are listening, I don't know if the feed did go out video wise. Uh, It did. And then came back on. Then. Went out and came back on. Just remember, if you ever have any problems with the video feed, you can always just go to the audio only uh, at the bottom of the Spooky TV screen. And you can listen to the show directly from the WBSM feed, which we usually don't have any problems with. The Spooky TV feed, we do have issues from time to time. Part of it's the internet here in the studio, right? Have we determined that that's part of it? Uh, yeah, and part of it's when you talk about Amityville. Well, that, yeah, that doesn't help. And part of it's the computer. Mm. Should should we start a crowdfunding campaign to get us new equipment? <laughs> Maybe. No, Maybe I'm serious so. about that. Do you think that we could get people to donate it? Would we feel bad asking people to donate? I don't know. I feel bad. There's but. a there's a lot of great causes out there that people should be contributing money to. Uh, especially, you know, we know a lot of people in the paranormal, people who are ill. Uh, a good friend of ours uh, is doing a crowdfunding campaign to raise money to help with his medical bills as he fights cancer. So, you know, I feel bad saying, hey, we need $1,000 to go out and buy a new laptop when people need a lot more than that to help pay their medical bills. But maybe we do that. Maybe there's a benefactor out there, too, who wants to just uh, make a PayPal donation. You can do so by emailing it to Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com <laughs> and uh, earmark it in the, you know, in the subject line, in the note yeah. line, that that's what it's for. But, yeah, we don't make any money doing this program. Even though we work yeah. here, we don't make money doing so this program. So that means people get what they pay. 
what's paid for then, right? I don't know. I got an email the other day from a prince in Nigeria. Oh, well, then we're all set. So, I don't know. You can I just think it's going to pan out. Just send him my social security <laughs> number. <laughs> That's what he wanted from me. That's all he needs. How'd you know? Yeah. <laughs> you went in my inbox, did you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, see, we don't, we don't get paid for doing the show. We just sneak in here because they give us the key so that we can come in and work our other shifts. Well, they gave me a key. So, uh, <laughs> we just come back here and sneak in. They don't even know we're here right now. So uh, we we would definitely need some assistance if uh, we were going to try to upgrade that equipment. But if anybody wants to help us do that, we can we can certainly talk about that. It would be a nice eighth anniversary present for us next month. Uh, yeah, nice good laptop and a couple of more, you know, good quality webcams. Hey, the stuff that we had was top of the line three years ago when we started doing Spooky TV, or longer, however long it's been. And while we're talking about money, I do want to mention very quickly, we'll probably talk about some of these events uh, maybe in the next hour, but I do want to do a little bit more horn tooting when we say that uh, Legend Trips, the company that we have created with Jeff Belanger to take people into historic haunted locations, we raised over $8,000 this year alone, which is a grand total of over $17,000 that we've raised to help with the preservation of historic haunts so uh, that's a big thank you to everybody that comes out to all of our events we do have one coming up february 22nd at the lizzie boyd and bed and breakfast in fall river we have just a limited amount of tickets left i want to say there's like six or eight tickets remaining so if you want to get involved and you want to go out on one of these legend trips events uh, and if you've always wanted to get into lizzie borden's this is your chance there's only 25 tickets sold so it's a really intimate group you get pizza you get Lectures, you get a historical tour of the house, like the real deal tour, not like we're just going to show you all the rooms and then get going. We're going to give you the entire full hour plus tour of the house. And then after that, we break up into very small groups and we disperse throughout the house. And then we have the entire place to ourselves until two o'clock in the morning. And we really just roll up our sleeves and get into the nitty gritty of the paranormal in that house. And things always seem to happen when we're at the Lizzie Boyd and Bed and Breakfast. So you can get those tickets by going to legendtrips.com, legendtrips with an S, dot com. You can find out more about some of our other events there that we've done in the past, and we will have a full slate of events happening in 2014 as well. And you can also get them from spookysouthcoast.com as well. Don't wait around. If you want to be part of this, I would definitely hop on that as quickly as possible because now that people have done their holiday shopping and now that they can kind of plan their financial future for the next few months, I think those tickets are going to get snatched up pretty fast. We're going to take a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, we will talk more about the 2013 Paranormal Year in Review, and then we will also talk about a number of other topics as well. stuff at 6 a.m. than I am at 10 p.m. Oh, it's been a long day. I have. Yeah. And I was here a couple times this week. I was here three days this week. I did really good those days. It's easier during the week. 
There isn't all this automated stuff that you got to deal with. Yeah, that is kind of a pain. But I'll be here again from 3 to 6 on Tuesday. I'll be taking people's New Year's resolutions and predictions for 2014. So if you are around and you don't have anything going on, you can tune in from 3 to 6 Eastern Time to WBSM.com and WBSM 1420 AM if you're local. And we'll have a good time. Maybe I'll call you guys and I'll get your uh, predictions. Hmm. I'll get your resolution. Well, I'll ask you now. What's your resolution? 1080p. Nice. Hmm. I, I'm still stuck on 7, oh, 720. 7, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that also went over his head. No. Okay. He's like, it's just not funny. <laughs> yeah. How about yourself, Moniz? What's your resolution? Uh, I made a resolution. Oh, couple of dozen years ago never <laughs> to make another new year's resolution and then so far i've held to it uh, do you keep making that same resolution or are you just holding no, to the original one holding to the original all right because otherwise you would have broken it <laughs> my resolution <clears throat> syndication. So, syndication i just want to keep saying that right. syndication from my lips to management make a vision board well we should we should so uh, we, we, we were covering the Amityville case uh, before the news break as being one of the big stories of the year, the Miamiville horror documentary. We are kind of counting, counting down, but we're kind of recapping some of the top paranormal stories of 2013. And we welcome your calls and your thoughts, 508-996-0500, You can also reach us in the chat room at Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. And uh, it's funny that uh, Maddie 58 in the chat room is saying how they'd like to come on one of our Legend Trips events one of these days, but they live out in Minnesota, so they're not going to be able to do that. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I'm going to Minnesota uh, for a paranormal event coming up this year, coming up in 2014. Uh, On May 10th, I will be heading out to uh, St. Paul, Minnesota to take part in a great wrestling event with the IWI at the Eagle Club. And then we'll also be having a night of ghost hunting following that event. So if you're out in that area, make sure that you come be part of this event and say hi. And, you know, we'll, we'll have some fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually, I actually challenge, I, I lay the challenge out there because um, our friend Tim Dennis from Darkness Radio yep. is involved with IWI. And uh, he, I, I lay the challenge out there. I said EMF detector on a pole match. I'm challenging him. Tim versus Tim for the paranormal supremacy. EMF detector on a pole match. So uh, and and he accepted the challenge. So I would expect now that over the course of the next couple of months, between now and May, that uh, we will have some some promos going back and forth. I'm I'm going to record some promos and put them online. I'm sure Timmy will and. Who's going to be the immovable object and who's going to be the unstoppable force? <laughs> I think we're both going to have trouble body slamming the other, so yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I just saw us no hold bards again, no holds barred again the other day. It's, and it's, that's how it, I envision it, actually. You think it's going to be like I that? I think that's how it's going to go down. Which one of us has to cross our eye? Hmm, I don't know. Both of you. Go and for it. Who, who gets thrown through the plate glass window of the oh. television station? <laughs> That'd be you. You have to do it. I will. I have no problem. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. So uh, that that's something to look forward to. Uh, also, I'll be at ParahistoryCon, too, uh, in, in May, the first weekend in May in Lake George, New York. So hopefully you guys can come and hang out, too. I know, Matt, you said you were going to try and get out there. Yeah. So going up. Is it a weekend? It is. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, I think I'm bumming a ride with uh, with Tiffany and, 
and Joe and Christine. So because I don't want to drive out there by myself. It's a long ride. I fall asleep driving between here and Wareham. So uh, so those are just a couple of things coming up on the calendar uh, that we want to mention. And, of course, also I mentioned before the break our Legend Trips event, February 22nd at Lizzie Borden's. But talking about the Amityville case and you know that getting a lot of the spotlight in the early part of the year, how about when the summertime came and The Conjuring just took over the paranormal world? Not only was it an excellent film, I mean, uh, and a lot of you are probably – if you hadn't seen it in the theater, you're starting to see it on um, DVD and Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, you saw? Did you see it in the theater? Or did you see it on? DVD? I saw it on uh, uh, DVD. Yeah. You saw it on the. Uh, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yes. Uh, so, but how would you rank that as, as, I would, as a I would horror say film? It's, it's, it's probably the best horror for, horror film I've seen, uh, mainstream horror film that I've seen in a long time, at, at least for the the entire year. And I know Moniz, you're a fan of the film itself. Yeah, I, I thought they did a really good special effects job with it, and they loosely took uh, liberty with the actual story, but otherwise, uh, it was a pretty darn good film. Well, that's to be expected. Uh, the you know, whenever you have the Hollywood version of anything, yeah, you know, they're gonna they're basically taking a story that they already had in mind and mixing it with the truth, uh, but. It also put a lot of spotlight on the original case, and we had Andrea Perrin on the show to discuss that, uh, and of course we had Keith Johnson, who was one of the original investigators in the case, uh, come in and talk about that as well. It serves, though, as a case study of what happens when a location becomes well-known for paranormal activity, and the people who live there don't want it. They don't want the attention. And that's what happened with the Sutcliffs, and now they're actually working with a, an organization that is doing the research to prove that some of these claims made in the film and even in Andrea's own research aren't true. That, you know, the, you know, the, the whole Bathsheba story, they're, they're disproving that. And uh, they suffered for quite a while with unwanted visitors on their property, uh, people feeling like because that film was so popular that they had a right to invade the Sutcliffe's privacy. Posting their address up online, mm-hmm. making YouTube videos of how to get to the house. Uh, it's just that goes so beyond what anybody should be doing. The Amityville case is different. That's I, – I almost feel like that's something that you weren't going to contain anyway. And you couldn't contain it because the people who lived in the house were the ones who were out there selling that story. Uh even though by the time that they really got going with it, other people had moved in, they were the ones who were the owners of the property when they started working the story up. Uh, and it's a different story with the parents and the Sutcliffs. And uh, now you're talking about something that happened 30 years ago and affecting the people who are there now. And I don't want to get into whether or not Norma was looking for this when they had ghost hunters come in and all that. I mean, that's all part of the story as well. But uh, just looking at it as a case study of, you know, here's what can happen when the news gets out. That's why when we hear stories about haunted houses that are for sale, we try to track down the people who are selling them and try to get them to come on the show and talk about it, but we don't reveal the location Mm -hmm. because you're only going to cause trouble for the next people that live there. Right, that's true. But in terms of a, just in terms of a phenomena, in all the years that we've been doing this program, which will be eight coming up next month, 
I can't remember any case that's taken the community by storm like this. I mean, part of it was that Andrea was so accessible that she was out on the circuit promoting both the movie and her books, House of Darkness, House of Light, all three volumes. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she was so visible and so accessible, I think, was part of the reason why the community jumped on this. But I think another reason why they did is because not only was it a, a, a great story in terms of what happened, in terms of the amount of activity and what these people went through, but it was fresh. It was different. It was a story that we hadn't already heard and hadn't already been recycled a thousand times. There hadn't been 45 direct-to-video movies about it. I mean, do you feel like yeah. that was probably part of what the attraction was to it? Maybe even more so than the activity itself? Something fresh that people could sink their teeth into. It had you know, drama built into it just like the Lutz family had built into theirs. And it it was about the same time period, you know, when it occurred. So, And there were really only a small handful of people that can lay claim to the story at this point, you know, because you only had the parents who lived there and, and Andrea, who was the one telling the story, uh, the few investigators that had been involved in the original case, which... As far as I know, Keith Johnson's the only one that's been speaking publicly about it. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the movie aspect of it. You know, you can talk about what's, what's going on in the actual filming of the movie, but that's really it. There's not a whole bunch of uh, researchers working on the case. There's not a bunch of theorists out there. We don't have websites, you know, 45 websites arguing the finer points of it like we have with Amityville. We don't have uh, somebody like a Ryan Katzenbach who's making a, a huge three-part documentary exposing the truth of what happened. You know, it's, it's just – it was different because it was new, which is funny to say about something that's 30 years old, but it was new. And – well, actually, for, I shouldn't say 30. I should say 40. I keep forgetting that we're in the teens here. Yeah. But that, I think, more than anything is what drew people to it. And the fact that the movie was pretty good – I think helped. Uh, we've seen a lot of horror movies come and go over the last five or six years that we haven't even bothered to mention on the air. Uh, I haven't even bothered to watch half of them. Well, don't forget, we also got, you know, squirt bottles and keychains from some of them. Right. And, you know, we part of it is, though, I feel, and I'll, I'm going to be honest about this. I'm going to break this down and, and kind of break down that wall a little bit here. But we got suckered in a few years ago. On the Paranormal Activity bandwagon. Mm-hmm. We believed the hype before we saw the film. That's true. Or at least I did. Because I was the one that was contacting the people and saying, you know, uh, well, actually, I think they reached out to us. If I remember. Yeah, they reached out to us. And I said, I'm hearing great things about this. I'm reading these reviews online from all these horror movie websites. And they're saying that this is the scariest film ever made. And... Yeah, so we'd love to help you promote it. We'd love to share it with our audience. It sounds like it's right up their alley. And it was a steaming pile of crap. <laughs> it was. I mean, I didn't hate it. Yeah. But it wasn't the scariest movie ever made. And the people who watched it in the theaters and were, you know, they, they showed all this crowd screaming and jumping and all that stuff. No way. Nobody was that scared by that film. Right. But I felt like maybe we kind of got balled up in the hype a little bit. So that's why we've been real... Careful about what we have been. I, I haven't promoting. seen the sequels. Has anybody else? No. Yeah, I've seen them all. Uh, yeah, I think I'm all caught up to date on all of them. Yeah, are they just as? I don't know. No, Do they get better. I've, I've only seen the first one, and I thought it was a comedy. 
Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. much just a rehashing of the same story. Uh, the only reason I keep watching it is because there is there is a tie-in uh, from movie to movie, and I'm I'm just trying to make sure that you know just see how it gets. Okay. Uh, the one one of the films that I did enjoy over the last couple of years was Insidious, and I haven't seen Insidious Chapter Two yeah, yet. Yeah, that I, wasn't bad. Things. Yeah, I, I did watch. Uh, the Lady in Black was also pretty good. Yeah, I started watching it. I fell asleep. Uh, I did see the other last week. I watched um, Sinister, which I thought was oh, actually pretty that decent. Was good with Ethan Hawke. I like that. I've yet to see that. I've heard that was pretty good. It, it actually was, and I wasn't as disappointed in the ending as I am with most horror movies. Yeah, usually uh, it's you know it's 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 either the the ending is ridiculous or it just comes too quick. Like I thought, the possession was a really good movie, mm-hmm. but I thought the ending was just like bam, and now it's over. Yeah. You know, it's just it's, uh, and I I really liked uh, the the last exorcism, but I haven't seen the last ex- exorcism too, kind of on principle because it's not the last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's two. The last exorcism. No, this time it's really the last exorcism. A never-ending story. I still know what you did three summers ago. You know, <laughs> uh, but it, as a film, it being good, The Conjuring uh, that really helped. But I think as a story being something unique and different, and people were willing to latch on to that aspect of it. I think that's part of the reason why it blew up pretty huge. And now the bar has been set for them to make these sequel films of it. And that is the plan. Not with this case, but more of the work of the Warrens. Uh, That aspect of it bothered me a little bit. I don't know. I I, got to be careful here with what I say. I'm a little bit upset with the way that things get handled with Lorraine Warren. Okay. Can you elaborate on that? I feel like at this point, uh, there's been a line drawn. There's those who believe the Warrens and those who don't. Uh, And there's not a lot of open-mindedness about the Warrens anymore. And I think that that film further dug in that line. You know what I mean? When we started doing the show, there were people who would come on and say, well, you know, I I respect the work of the Warrens. I don't know if I necessarily believe everything that they wrote, but I respect them as investigators. Now you're either hearing people that are huge fans of the Warrens and count them as influences and and believe every word they say, or you have people that just crap all over them and say that they were uh, charlatans and showmen and that there was nothing actually going on in any of the cases they investigated. And that bothers me a little bit. Because I think that it's fine to say, okay, some of it may be played up, but they were doing good work. And I feel like that's the way that I've always looked at it. They, they were doing positive work when they were active and when they were out working in the field. Did the story get played up? Did it get dramatized? Of course. There has to be some artistic license for books, for movies. That's going to happen naturally. But that doesn't demean the work that they did you know just saying you know dr oliver Sacks wasn't as perfectly as he was portrayed in the movie awakenings Mm. you know uh, most Mm. of the time when a film is made about somebody they're not the super person that they were i'm pretty sure that forrest gump wasn't as awesome as he was in the movie (laughs) (laughs) right that's exactly that's he's a real guy right exactly yeah well they had all that footage of him meeting all those famous people Had to be real, but I'm I'm just saying that that kind of bothers me uh, a little bit. Is that uh, there, look there's, what they've done to us? On this is what we started what the show. What they've done to our song, Ma. 
Sorry, no, go ahead. But this is what we started the show with. We know that they do this because we've had it happen to us firsthand. Right. So. But also, what's happened to us has not been by our own hand. I feel like some of the Warren legend was created by the Warrens. And happily disseminated by an eager media looking for any little bit that they can uh, drum up for business. You know, controversy means money. But also drummed up by the Warrens. I didn't say that <laughs> you wasn't gotta, the case. But, yes. but I, 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 I look at the source as being where it originates from, obviously. So they they were spoon-feeding them. They were spoon-feeding the media, and the media was eating it up. So they're just as much... I don't want to say the problem, because it was it's not really a problem. The fact is they've done more to put paranormal research into the regular person's home than anybody has. Uh, but maybe that marketing aspect of them is the reason why we were able to have a lot of these shows from the 70s that influenced the next generation that led to the shows of the 90s. We'll leave it at that. Okay. We have a lot of other things to talk about. Uh, a few other things that I want to talk about here, and they do kind of relate to our Legend Trips events, uh, but I do want to make comment of these because they were part of the 2013 Paranormal Year in Review. The problems with the S.K. Pierce Mansion in Gardner, we didn't really put a lot of this out there publicly when we were planning that event, uh, ba- basically because... We didn't want to make it seem like we were making excuses for anything. But we went through a lot of trouble with that event. And the people who attended that event, they kind of know the story. And they know what we had to go through and the hoops that we had to jump through. Uh, Basically, a few weeks before the event was set to take place, an event which had already sold out, by the way, we found out that the town of Gardner had come down very hard on Edwin and Lillian and... Uh, They were making all kinds of rules and regulations about whether or not they could continue to have events in that house. Now, there's no plumbing in the house. Mm -hmm. Well, the plumbing is there. But they just didn't have the ability to turn the water on. Well, some of the pipes need to be replaced because they burst. Long story short, they don't live there anymore because of the activity, or at least that's what they claim is the reason why. And nobody was at the house the pipes froze. Nobody was there to, you know, turn the faucet on. You know, when you have an old house, you got to leave the faucet running a little bit when it drops to really cold temperatures. And it gets cold in Gardner. So nobody had left the water running. And then when you go to turn on the, the pipes, the water, the pipes burst. We've heard it happen yeah. tons of times. And uh, and that's kind of what went down. And that everything in that house is dependent on the hot water, is the water system. You know, the plumbing and also it's forced hot water plumbing, uh, heating. So there's no heat, there's no bathrooms. With no bathrooms, no running water, that means it's not considered sanitary, so you can't serve food in there. So we find out two weeks before we're going to go feed people pizza in the Escape Pierce Mansion that we can't feed them in the mansion anymore. Now we have to find a place that can feed 40 people. Because even though we only sold 30 tickets, we've still got our staff, we've still got Edward and Lillian, we've got their staff. So we had to find, and we also had a fire inspector that we had to... You know, had to be paid for out of the uh, the evening's uh, earnings. And that was another thing because somebody decided to raise this thing. So uh, people 
causing problems for Edwin and Lillian are trying to, it trickled down to everybody else that was trying to do events at that mansion. I know that they have plans of continuing to have events go on there. There's got to be some changes. Edwin talked about that when we had our event. Mm-hmm. And I, this is this is a topic that I think we really need to discuss at some point in the future uh, for an entire show. Does somebody who owns a haunted piece of property, uh, a property where there is reported activity, do they owe the paranormal community anything? Good question. My honest answer no they don't owe you crap it's their house they can do whatever they want with it it's a different story if we're talking about a town building mm-hmm. you know we, we had that story this year with the middleborough town hall which I, I don't know how much we want to really delve into that but we had or we could get into things like gettysburg and all of the battlefields and you know which are pretty controlled right. and yes. they, they won't allow people to have access right. to uh the middleborough town hall which they were allowing people to have access to until one dolt decided to try to pull a fast one and uh, bring all kinds of media attention to it and then try to say that he had nothing to do with it. And you can go back and listen to that episode if you want. I don't want to rehash that entire situation, but uh, it was just it was ridiculous to, to, to be claiming that you had nothing to do with the media showing up when you're the one writing and issuing press releases as if they were coming from the Middleborough Town Hall and, and the town government themselves. But anyway, there's a reason why we haven't heard his name. So, a place like the Middleborough Town Hall, you could say, yeah, they kind of owe something to the public. It's a public building. Uh, I have a story here about... Well, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, a story from this past fall, uh, from October, when a, a health a city employee in uh, Butte, Montana... Uh, it's pronounced Butte, right? Not Butt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just wanted to say Butt. Uh, a city employee in Butte, Montana, was reprimanded by her bosses after she let paranormal investigators set up an infrared camera in her office building, which had been reportedly haunted. Uh, the actual problem was, uh, let's see here, uh, I have the information here. The health department it was the building where they did it, and the people in charge of the health department said, quote, the public gives trust in us and we need to take that seriously, and setting up cameras in public buildings to catch paranormal activity I don't think is gaining the public's trust. Then the employee was given a written reprimand, and another employee was given an oral reprimand who had been made aware of it. So, I mean, does that hurt the public trust? We could debate that for an entire night as well, you know. Yet it's fine to set it up as a security camera. What is the difference? Well, the difference is a security camera is only for internal use, whereas a a paranormal investigator's camera would be made public if they caught anything. Okay. That's. I mean, that would be... As long as it doesn't affect the operations of the... As long as there's no sensitive material. Right. You yeah. know, we, we investigated the town. I don't know. Were you, were you there in Braintree? No. Well, I investigated the town hall, and we were just told, hey, listen, if you're in an area where there's sensitive files and documents, don't open them. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were given complete leeway. There was nobody from the town following us around. Somebody was there. We have a standing offer to investigate the state house up here in Massachusetts. I mean, we get access to all kinds of places where there's sensitive information because there's that trust. And But like I said, it's different when it's a public building. We could go before a town body and argue until we're blue in the face. The bottom line is, if it's a public building, then we should be able to utilize it in that manner. The The real problem isn't that people don't want paranormal investigators investigating public buildings. It's nobody wants to go there after hours when they're not getting paid and wait six hours while you're doing it. Really, that's the problem. Yeah. 
I mean, we're okay. lucky enough that we know people at libraries who report activity to us are willing to say to us, I don't care if I'm getting paid. I'll come here and spend the whole night with you guys. I want to see you in action. Uh, but that, you know, that's rare. A lot of the times people just don't want to hmm. have to sit there and, and not get paid for it. Nobody wants to approve the overtime for it. So that's more the bigger problem. But if it is a public building, I think that people should be allowed to do it. Private building, like the S.K. Pierce Mansion, it's their property. They can do whatever they want. I understand the Board of Health stepping in when we want to have an event like we had and saying, well, we can't have people eating food there if there's no right. running water because it's not sanitary. We, you, know, you have to have bathrooms for people. That's fine. But to, for the average paranormal group to not be able to go in there and investigate for the night, well, that's bogus. It's their house. Their homeowner's insurance covers people coming in there and covers whether or not they'll be hurt. Uh, I don't know why there has to be a fire marshal there if you're not exceeding the fire limits of how many people can be in the building. It just seems like they they see um, some revenue coming in, coming in and they just want a chunk of it. That, that's what it is. Either that they, they want their peace or they f- want to take a moral stand uh, and, and be self-righteous and say they shouldn't be making money off the paranormal. Hmm. I mean, why not? Yeah. It's their house. There's a place a couple of towns over that has basically uh, ships that we paid for mm-hmm. out of our tax dollars that have uh, long histories of hauntings and were kept out because of that same kind of you know thoughts by the people that control it. Am I wrong? Yeah, well... That's a tough one. Y- yeah, I mean, we... Here, when you have, this is I, what you're talking about, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, I do. Okay. I, I, I don't know. Does, is it a town's right, or does do they have any claim to say they can or cannot have an event or something paranormal well, esque? Sure, if you're using the building for commercial purposes when you're not zoned commercial. Mm-hmm. That would be the the crux of the argument. How is that different than having, like, say, a pampered chef party or something at your house? How is that? How is a paranormal investigation different than a Tupperware party? What are the legalities of that? We don't know. You know, uh, somebody made mention on on Facebook today about uh, the need, and one of the stories that we'll talk about here uh, is the reason why they're talking about the need for paranormal investigation insurance we had to get an insurance policy to have the legend trips event at the sk pierce mansion here's the problem no insurance company knows how to insure a paranormal investigation correct you have to put in for a different type of event in order to get that insurance uh you know and then you have to kind of explain to them a little bit about what's going on and i mean maybe at some point somebody will come up with one there's certainly enough events going on out there that they would probably, they could probably actively sell it. So if anybody out there is listening as an insurance agent, you should be working on creating this policy and then actively seeking out when there are paranormal events, which you can find them by going to websites like legendtrips.com and tons of other websites and then contacting the people that run them and say, hey, here's the insurance that you should be carrying. And I, now that I I've given you that idea. I be able to help us with that because the people I ride with up to work on the train – 
all work as underwriters and in, well, uh, insurance companies. I'm throwing that idea out there with the hope that if somebody makes that happen, I get a cut. <laughs> so, anyway. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> but when somebody owns the building, if as, as long as it's obeying all of the zoning restrictions of the town that they live in, uh, as long as it's within their legal right to do it uh, in terms of having people in the house, then it's their business. It's not anybody else's business. It's not anybody else's place to get a cut from. There's a lot of jealousy with that case because those Edwin and Lillian bought that house and I don't want to give out too much information. They got it for a very good price. Yes. And people look at that. I mean, it's a matter of public record. If you want to go out and look it up, you could find out how much they paid for the house. It's, it's public record. But people look at that, and then they look at the revenue that must be coming in, and they say something's not adding up. If they're making all this money with people coming in, and their mortgage is assumingly low because of the price that they paid for the house, then why aren't they putting that money back into the restoration of the house? Why are they having these events claiming that they want to raise money for the restoration of the house if you can't go in there and you can't use the bathroom? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know what their financial situation is. We don't know what other extenuating circumstances they have. I'm pretty sure that they have to pay for another residence because they can't live in that one, not only because of the physical failings of the building, but because of the activity level. Yes, they live in another residence. and So now they're paying for two places. Yes. I mean, in theory. We don't have to talk about their own pers- their personal business, but well, I'm just saying. I, I know them well. And what they make in terms of uh, their take of paranormal events versus what they have to pay in taxes and mortgages and for what they're trying oh, to do for, for repairs right. is, you know ridiculous. It, it doesn't matter what the mortgage is on a 26-room mansion. Yeah. What matters is what the town is assessing that yeah, property right. at and what you're paying at in, ta- in taxes. Right. And what they've made in terms of their little cuts yeah. from these I bet they don't devalue nothing. the house because it doesn't have water either. No. No, because that's an internal thing, right. so that wouldn't that wouldn't have any... Uh, as long as there's water being sent to it, which, uh, you know, they're, they're probably still getting a bill for being connected to it. Yes. I mean, it's going to be a low bill, but there's going to be just the basic charge of being uh, on it. And not to mention, it's 26 rooms. You know, so even if there was running water and heat, you know how much it must cost to heat the place? Right. Uh, and, and you said that they live, they live where? Brockton. So they live... Close to us. Yes. Two hours away from where the mansion is. Correct. That they have to go to frequently because of all these different events that they have. So now add in that travel expense as well. Correct. So it's it's not the cash cow that everybody seems to think it is. I, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm defending them uh, because we have a, a business partnership, I guess you could say, with them. Uh, and I'm not defending them because they're friends and I like them. I'm defending them because they own the place and it's theirs to do with whatever they want to. Yeah, and you're not making that much doing the the event things that they have there. No, I mean, if they wanted to completely run everything themselves, uh, they could make a little bit more. But I can tell you, as somebody who runs one of these companies, you don't really make a lot of money doing it. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's it's uh, we've donated seventeen thousand dollars to these places uh, over the last few years, but we haven't pulled in anything close to that ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what we're about doing. Well, yeah, too. we're in it. We're in it for the uh, for the other side. Uh, for well, not the other side, yeah. capital letters, but the other side of the coin. Uh, look, the battleship Massachusetts. We've been trying to get in there for years. Okay, that's what I was referring. All right, uh, they won't let us in. We've been stonewalled. They said that they feel that it's disrespectful and they do not want paranormal investigations to happen there. You know what? That is privately owned. Uh, it is theirs. It's not. The city True. of Fall River says they can do whatever they want with it, so they can block us from going in there. The town of, uh, I'm sorry, the Wareham Historical Society owns the Faring Tavern. They have the right to say if we can go in there or not, and they allow us to go in. Some places say yes, some places say no. It's their decision. We may get upset about it, but we can't fault them for it. And the same thing happens with a place like the S.K. Pierce Mansion. Privately owned, they can do whatever they want. Lizzie's another good example. Right. Nobody nobody seems to go after them for, for making money off the paranormal end of things. Oh, they they get their share of, yeah. They do get some, but not at the level that the S... And that's part of the issue. Is it's, it's not so much just the fact that they're making money. It's the jealousy that other people have. I think somewhere down the line... This is just speculation on my part, but somewhere down the line, there was a deal somewhere... That went bad. And the party who was hurt in that deal has now made it their business to take it out on everybody else that tries to go in there and make a profit. If you have a place that is haunted, active, and you want to open it up and let people come and investigate at their will, that's great that you are somebody who is that forward-thinking and and, and can do that and uh, has that luxury most of us would not want to let people come into our house, whether we live there or not, but a place that we own and trample through it every Saturday night all year long and not get something out of it. Okay. No, I, I see where you're going. I mean, Costa won't use my bathroom without leaving a quarter on the top of the toilet. That's right. Now, I expect that. I expect that quarter Respect. when he goes in there. When he comes over, I give him as many drinks as I can in the hopes of making a few dollars in coins when he has to go. <laughs> See, I'm always thinking. All right, so we'll leave that story behind. Uh, Another place that we investigated this year as a Legend Trips event was the USS Salem, and they've had some issues as well. They've actually had to suspend anything happening on the ship while they rebuild that gangway. Yeah, they're they're closed because of structural issues. But uh, that's that's another huge story, though, for the paranormal community because they are dependent on the money that they make each Halloween with their haunted ship event. And they were not able to have that the way they normally would because they couldn't let people on the ship. They had to build a haunted house area uh, in the parking lot and uh, around the dock and in the mini golf course. So, I mean, I haven't talked to the people over there, but I'm going to just assume that revenue was down from the haunted ship if people couldn't actually get on the ship itself and, and take part in the festivities as they normally would. So I'm hoping that in 2014, they think that it should be fixed by the spring. Again, I haven't gotten an update lately. But if that's the case, I would hope that the paranormal community would kind of rally around it and help them make up some of that lost revenue. And I think maybe Legend Trips, if we, we want to have another event there, we should do it sooner rather than later uh, in order to help them kind of get back on their feet. 
it's only a small portion of what I'm sure that they lost, but we can all do our parts to help. So any groups that are out there looking, and I know groups are used to the idea now of having to pay for a location. You know, you might want to give them a ring and say, hey, keep us in mind for when you're open back up again. Oh, it's a great place to check out. We had a great event there, and it's a ship that's got plenty of history. And don't be afraid, if you are in a paranormal team, don't be afraid to partner up with another team and rent the ship out and, and share the cost because it's huge. There's plenty of room for everybody. Huge. We sold what, 855 feet? 715, I think. Oh, I'm thinking of the battleship. The battleship. But uh, the, you know, we had 60 tickets sold to that event. And plus we had our own staff, the right. ship staff, and RTS Paranormal. So we probably had 85 people on that ship. And nobody was stepping over anybody else in terms of space. Yeah, it's a big boat. <laughs> some people were stepping over some people otherwise, but that's, well, that's a whole other yeah. story. Uh, but so that's something that people can kind of do to, to help, help out and help uh, rally around them as they've lost uh, a few dollars. Speaking of legend trips, too, and Matt, you had mentioned in the first hour uh, seeing a decrease in the new equipment that comes out. But we've been able to, at legend trips, use what is probably the most exciting new piece of equipment in 2013, Bill Chappell's Connect system. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, Bill has basically modified the Xbox Connect camera, not the one that you have on your Xbox system at home, but the developer camera, which is different in what it can do. And he's made modifications to the hardware and created software that will map the person in front of the camera, just as it would in the video game. Uh, and it can do it in IR, and it can do it in, you know, you're in complete blackness, and it's able to map you. And uh, if another figure shows up on the screen, well, it's mapping what it thinks is another human. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's amazing is I I don't know the intricacies of how it works. It's all a little bit too technical for me. I just know that if you're a person and you're standing in front of that camera and your dog comes running across, your dog doesn't show up on the camera. It maps human articulation points. Mm -hmm. So if it's mapping two people and there's only one person standing in front of it, where's the other person coming from? Exactly. And you're the most skeptical of the bunch yeah, here. And uh, I think uh, Jeff actually got on the last investigation we did. He got uh, at SK Pierce. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He got two figure a figure that was standing next to him. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think yeah. and now it's very interesting. When we started out using it, which was just this past fall at Slater Mill, that was the first time that we used it. But we will have it at all of our events going forward. When we first started using it, there was only three systems in the world. And Bill had two of them, and we had the other one. Right. So this was really your only chance to to get them. Now he's actually starting to make them for investigators. They're not cheap. And I don't think they're on the website right now. I think he's only really It's not cheap to get those cameras either. No, the cameras themselves are like $200. Right. So, which is a lot different than the, you know, $50 one that you buy uh, for your home system. So... We'll probably see more of these systems popping up, and we there are some out there now that people think are the same thing, but they're just modifying the home version, right? And it's just it's not the same; it doesn't work the same. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. One thing that I will say, techno- technologically, uh, when it comes to paranormal investigation, is less focus on hardware and more focus on software. 
and more integration of people's handheld devices, be it their cell phone, be it their tablet, their laptop, what have you. But we're seeing more software being created and, you know, a lot more apps. Yeah. Uh, How much trust? Well, let let me let me ask you this question each individually, because you each can come at it from a different angle. Matt being more skeptical about all of this stuff Mm -hmm. and knowing kind of the basics about cell phones and you know what they emit and and the fields that they create around them how do you feel about these apps that are all say on them for entertainment purposes only i mean i i do have to say um some interesting things do come through on a variety of apps that uh, at least the ones that we've used but i don't really put too much stock into them just because they are an app and i don't know and so it's only a dollar some the majority of them are free. I mean, how good can how good can they actually be? I'm not uh, totally sure what they actually put in cell phones, but um, I'm not. They're not made for what they're being sold as. I suppose. So I don't know. I I think it's just strictly for novelty purposes. Well, Moniz, I'll ask you as somebody who probably knows a little bit more of the science of the structure of these devices. How much stock can you put in the software that is uh, on a cell phone or, or a tablet? Uh, what they're doing is they're using the signal strength that's coming from your antenna. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of these cases, they're just creating a computer logarithm to register something. You know, if you're in a room and it's receiving more signal, it'll, it'll yeah. bring the logarithm to say this. And if you're in another room that's receiving less signal it'll are you that. talking like the ghost radar and things like yeah, that stuff like that yeah. yeah i'm just saying like if i i don't know how my cell phone can pick up the uh pick up a ghost in the room but it can't pick up a the cell go- phone signal at shaw's yeah right well here's an interesting thing like Turn i'm over your- by the milk and i cannot get will cannot make a phone call will these apps <laughs> work in a place where you don't have any signal yes mm. they will Okay. Because I, I use them on my devices, and uh, frequently when I go to places, I don't have a signal because I have T-Mobile. <laughs> okay. So, well, uh, case in point, when we were in uh, North Adams at the Houghton Mansion, which is something else that I want to talk about in the limited amount of time that we have left, um, when I was up there, I had no, as you know, I had no yep. cell phone signal the entire weekend. I was borrowing your phone to call home. Yep. And... But I still had the apps on my devices, and I was still able to pick up uh, things on them, both on my cell phone and on my tablet. So it's not dependent on the cell signal. Uh, a lot of these apps, the the ones that you're talking about, the ones that seem like they're games, yeah. you know, I think that they're kind of pre-programmed. Right. You don't know what you don't know how they were programmed. You don't know what's in the programming, the code. Like but, for all you know, like. We're seeing now uh, a new wave of app developers who are aware of that stigma and they're aware of the problems that people have uh, with whether or not you can get an accurate reading from a cell phone. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to come up with something that's a little bit more scientific. So some of the ones that I've used, like on Legend Trips events, are of that next generation where... It is more about making sure that you eliminate those problems. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we're going to see that keep continuing to build because that is the best way to do okay. it. How do you how do you filter all the the crap apps and the uh, the legitimate? Well, unfortunately, the way they're doing it is by price. Mm. 
you know, you're paying a dollar or free for you know the ghost speaker. Right. But if you want something from uh, from Big Beard, you're paying twenty five bucks. I mean, th- just because it's more money doesn't mean that it's legit. It just means that he's charging more money. Yeah. But people aren't going to keep investing the money in these apps if they don't feel that they are legitimate. Right. Right. So. It's, it's it's really interesting to see where they go uh, with with that stuff because people have these devices on them, and we think nothing of going out and shelling out four hundred bucks for an iPhone if we need to, but we don't want to spend four hundred dollars on a you know, on a real time EVP recorder, so why not just get the iPhone and then get the app that will do the same thing, which that still blows people's mind when I when I give them that idiotizer app, oh, yeah. they're like, but I bought this, and I paid four hundred dollars <laughs> for it, well. I'm sorry. Uh, so let's just see, because we are uh, running out of time here. Uh, we we covered pretty much... Oh, here's one that might have uh, gone past everybody's radar over the holidays. Just a few weeks ago, Harold Camping died. Remember Harold Camping? Name ring a bell? Yeah. He's the guy who's predicted the end of the world three yes. different times. Oh. Kind of missed the boat, though, on that one. Uh, there were a number of local UFO sightings this year, Moniz. Quite a few in the area. Uh, and I'm still receiving new ones. And I, I can imagine that that's something that will uh, keep going in 2014. How, mu- how much has the increased drone activity affected UFO reports? That's a good question. That is a really good question. And how much will it affect it when Amazon starts uh, having their shipping drones? Uh, skeet shooting with prizes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, I do want to mention the Houghton Mansion. Uh, we will have more on this. It's a developing story. Well, I guess, I mean, it's pretty much developed at this point. Uh, but Berkshire Paranormal is no longer in charge of the paranormal investigation of the Houghton Mansion. Uh, they are going to be branching out and looking for new things. Uh, and we will keep you up to date with all that. We'll have Josh and Nick on in the future to let you know what Berkshire Paranormal is working on. Uh, but now there are new people within the Masonic Organization that will be handling the paranormal investigations of the Houghton Mansion. Uh, so just be aware of that if you are trying to book an event there, or if you're trying to book an investigation there, just be aware that it is now different people that are in charge of that. And uh, we'll see if we're going to be working with them going forward. Hopefully we can because it's an amazing location. Uh, but then again, you know, we're big fans and supporters of, of Josh and Berkshire Paranormal as well. So. We'll see what happens there because, you know, we want to be involved with whatever they're doing, too. I know that there's something big coming up that I really can't give away too much information of. But let's just say we'll be heading to North Adams this summer. And uh, let's see what else. Well, I mean, we've done some work to SpookySouthCoast.com and Spooky TV over this year as well, Mac House. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. We're trying. New programs have debuted. Yep, there's more content on the front page. We have the blogs. We have a great group of bloggers that uh, blog, you know, with relative frequency. Yep. We're going to try to pick that up maybe in the new year, hopefully. We amassed a pretty huge bill from Getty Images. So, again, if you'd like to make a donation to help us offset. No, seriously. <laughs> really? we, owe, we owe Getty Images like $800. What? Somebody used a licensed image in one of their blog posts. So they sent us a bill. No way. So we, if need, any- we either need... What is it, $800? We either need $800 or, or we need a copyright lawyer. Or a $800 lawyer. Right. I would rather have the $800 lawyer. Yes, I'd rather have the lawyer that I'd tells us how we fight. can keep doing this going forward and yes. not have to pay. Uh, so, yeah. So, there we go. That's, that's... I want to go down fighting. 
<laughs> you will. You won't beat up on the little guy and get away with it. Getty Images. Yeah. We've been stealing theme music for eight years and never had a problem. Who are you to come and yell at us for one picture? Still, yeah, delicate, yeah, that happened. So resolution for 2014, only use pictures that we yeah. took ourselves on SpookySouthCoast.com. Everything's going to be stick figures, basically. It's we have an illustrator who wants to develop illustrations for the website. We need to use him. Hmm. DJ, if you're listening, you'll be getting a whole bunch of work in 2014, <laughs> that's for sure. He does phenomenal work, and it would make the site look incredible. Just like we use Frank Grace's photography yep. for Legend Trips, DJ could be the visual representation of SpookySouthCoast.com. Let's make it happen. Excellent. I mean, when somebody's offering to give you stuff for free, you take it. <laughs> and it's a good showcase for his work because it is incredible. So uh, we'll definitely work on that. And if anybody wants to uh, get in touch with us, uh, over the course of 2014 and beyond. You can do so by going to SpookySouthCoast.com. You can email us directly. SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com will go to all of us. We also have individual uh, email addresses. Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com. Matt at SpookySouthCoast.com for the Silent Assassin. And Science Advisor at SpookySouthCoast.com for Moniz. We're all on Facebook. Uh, Moniz has a public page that he doesn't check because he's got messages there waiting for him uh, from people that are really trying to get in touch with him. <laughs> and it's not letting me in. That's that's your fault, man. I had you all set up. Well, we'll work on that. We'll fix that. And uh, you can also follow at least two out of the three of us on Twitter uh, as well. And, of course, the main Twitter feed is at SpookySC. So I think we've promoted everything fairly, right? We, we've got pretty much everything we need to cover. So uh, that does it for this edition of Spooky South Coast. For Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spectacular and... We'll see you next year. I hate that lame joke.